Welcome into one of these years, our Detroit Lions podcast. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner, back from our week in uh, oh, sideways rain. Lovely Mobile. <laughs> it was horrible <laughs> weather, uh, but uh, you know, a nice. Got nice to watch football. Got <laughs> yeah, some yeah. football. I, uh, I spent a couple, hung around a couple days in that's right New Orleans by choice. You hung yep. around. Pensacola Airport, day in Pensacola, not so much by not choice. by choice. I got to, I got familiar with the entire Pensacola Airport for the uh, like fourteen hours or whatever it was. I was stuck there. On, uh, and you Friday. flew through Atlanta on the way home. Yeah, I wasn't in Atlanta for long, just a standard amount. But uh, we were, I think, delayed for a couple minutes coming uh, out of Atlanta. Made made the time up in the air, of course. And then you know, as you do when you make the time up in the air, as all frequent f- flyers know, you just sit at the gate longer because they're not ready for you when you land so yeah it was the whole thing i got the whole shot it was the the full day watched a couple of movies that i hadn't seen in a while i guess so that was interesting but otherwise yeah pretty long day i i texted you after i made the drive i did i drove from mobile to yeah, new orleans yeah. uh and that was the day it was just like horrible rain monsoony yeah <laughs> there's a stretch there where you have to go like 10 miles over the water Yep, that lake, Lake uh, Pontchartrain or whatever it is. Yeah, Yeah, Uh, I can't pronounce it. And uh, I was like, if I slide, this is it. (laughs) That's it. I couldn't see except the car in front of me. There was no no room to pull over. Like, I asked for just plowing (laughs) At one point, I was driving through, I told you, like, I think it was Gulf Shores or whatever that Shores area is between Mobile and Pensacola. And the water... Like some of the bridges go up and some of the bridges are like land bridges and the wa- the water was like lapping over the s- almost <laughs> like the waves were coming through and I was like oh man so I just like hit the gas as hard as I could I was like I gotta get the hell out of here and get to some higher ground or something because it was Jeez. it was getting weird we had some nasty weather but um, <laughs> a lot of people got a lot of work done anyway so it was good to uh, right, football right. nonetheless yeah well we wanted to wait until after. The Senior Bowl. I mean, part of it was that we wanted to wait till after the Senior Bowl to talk uh, yeah. on the podcast here. The other part was that they wouldn't let us in the press box and kicked us out of the podcast section. So mm-hmm. we uh, ran out of room. We also didn't get to go to the Thursday practice right. live because the weather was so bad. They moved inside and limited the number of people there. I don't know that the weather was that much worse than it was Wednesday when we were standing yeah, up there getting I feel soaked, like it was but, actually better, but um, yeah. I understand that they wanted to give people as much uh, yep. exposure to, to the practices as possible. So we got to see two days live. We got to watch all three uh, back on the All-22 videos mm-hmm. from down there, and then obviously the game Saturday, the Lions uh, coaching staff, the American team took the loss there, but... Um, I don't know. The game doesn't matter. I don't <laughs> no, think as much really. as the as the uh, practices themselves. Although a couple guys had some nice games Saturday, so we'll get into some of this. It, you know, we want to talk about a couple of little Lions issues that came up. But mm-hmm. just uh, before we do any of that, I guess just general takeaways. I, it, have you you've been to the Senior Bowl? Before? No, actually, that was, that was my first, first trip. Yep, that was my first Senior Bowl. Yeah, there. Yeah. So impressions of uh, well, the week. Yeah. I guess. I mean, I think that it's. It's more beneficial. You know, I used to think of the Senior Bowl years ago, and it's gotten Jim Nagy, I think, has done a really good job of blowing this up and turning it into, you know, more people, I think, are aware about it and things than it used to be. And I always knew about the Senior Bowl, and I always knew the benefit that it gave players, um, you know, at a greater level, really, than the Combine does. It's so much better for, you know, the, the thing you get from the Senior Bowl, I think, is so much more valuable than 
for you as a player in the evaluation process to be able to work that close with scouts standing right there and, and things that actually matter, um, you know, it's just so much better. It's just so much more valuable than the combine in every way. Uh, it can be haphazard or whatever at times, but with weather and everything else and that many people coming into a small town like that. But like, yeah, I mean, the event is important. Um, and I think that it's good that I think we as a kind of a draft Twitter community, whatever you want to call it, like, you know, the Shrine Bowl, I know, gets more love now than it used to. Um, I know people talk about the Collegiate Bowl a little bit more now than they used to. I know that, you know, Jim Nagy and those guys put together the um, HBCU Combine this year with the Senior Bowl. Um, the on-field evaluation stuff just means so much. And, like, it's I'm glad to see that getting the showcase, the bigger showcases as we go forward, as much as the, you know, measurables and everything else that people fixate on. Because this is really the stuff, Chris, as you know. That matters. It's the most important stuff. Can you scoop under a guy and block him? I don't give a shit how much you can bench. Can you do this? Right? Like that's <laughs> right. That's really what what we're seeing here at the Senior Bowl, and it's it's really cool to watch coaches tinker with and put guys in weird situations and mess with them, and just like you know, that's what they're doing, right? They're just trying to put them in weird spots and see how they react. And it, yeah, it was a cool thing, and the kids always seem to have a good time, so it was fun. Well, you wrote about too the HBCU Combine actually had. There's yeah. some guys there that are going to end up playing in the league. Uh, so that that's cool that they spotlighted that event. Absolutely. The, uh, both the Lions and Jets staff staffs had uh, a couple of HBCU coaches come up and join them mm-hmm. um, on their staffs for the week. Tyrone Wheatley was with the Jets, right, I think? So, I think so, yeah. Um, so that's kind of cool, too, like you said. It's, it's interesting because I think uh, people just – People who just sort of casually follow the Senior Bowl, I think, assume it's an NFL event. And yeah, it's right. Not, it's, not, it's sort of independent. And you compared it to like an actual bowl, like bowl game. Yeah. I mean, Jim Nagy just, they have like, we drove past their headquarters on whatever downtown. street that was yeah, in downtown right. Mobile. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they bring in um, all their sponsors. They, I think they do all the TV stuff. You know, it's through the NFL network, but I think, you know, Jim Nagy. Yeah, the NFL is like, a partner, right? Like a right. partner, but not. Yeah, Jim but, Nagy like, runs Jim it, Nagy yeah. controls the schedules and like there were. I think this year they started uh there was like a package they were charging for extra access to players and things like that there you so, go man yeah. um, it's sort of its own thing and i think that's yeah. probably part of why it runs like the combine is the nfl's thing and so it's well you got 15 minutes with yeah, each guy and we, right. they got to be here at x time and they got to be here and so it's all it's all a little more uh sterile i guess and set up than the, the yeah. senior bowl so um, yeah, it is a cool event. Certainly you get to look at a hundred I mean, hundred, whatever it was, 40 prospects this year. And I think yeah. like, to your point, Jim Nagy has gotten, you know, you have to be at least a fourth year junior, I guess, um, mm-hmm. to be eligible for this, but they pull in some pretty big names now yep. to this yep. event. You know, it's not just like whoever's left over that happens to be a senior, uh, right. <laughs> getting some, there was yeah. There are some guys down there that are going first round. Yeah. Uh, and so that's that helps, too, with the evaluation process oh, of everyone, big time. good and bad. So, big time. Uh, yeah. Um, big credit to Jim. I mean, they've done a great job, a great job with the whole thing. So uh, we'll get into that in a minute. I wanted to touch on, before we do, um, well, we have our, you know, sort of Lions-centric uh, all-senior bowl team up on theathletic.com. We'll talk about that. But uh, a couple comments that came up. While we were down there from Lions coaching coaches mm-hmm. that were uh, at the event um, that I wanted to talk about here. And the first is from Aubrey Pleasant, who was the defensive coordinator down there. Um, 
you know, good exposure for him and for Ben Johnson mm-hmm. on the offensive side of things. Deuce Staley was the head coach. So the, the great experience. That's another tweak they made this year, bumping up guys uh, yeah. from the internal staffs up, up to those positions. But uh, Aubrey Pleasant made a comment. Someone asked him about Tracy Walker yeah. um, and what Tracy Walker's upside is. And, and he said something to the effect of, well, Tracy and I both agree that there's a lot more in there that he can do. And if we get to work together again, (laughs) we hope to bring it out. And so I thought that, you know, we've talked a lot about Tracy Walker and his future here. And I thought that was interesting uh, for a couple of reasons. One, he wasn't going to say like, well, we're resigning him, obviously, but it Mm -hmm. sounded a little (laughs) open-ended. It did, yes. (laughs) What Tracy Walker's future is. But the other thing is, as we've been trying to put a price tag on Tracy Walker, it sounds like there's an understanding, maybe on both sides, that... He is not yet yeah. an elite NFL safety. I don't yeah. know if I'm reading too much into what Aubrey Pleasant said there, but that's the takeaway I had. My guess on that would be, because they have a good relationship, and I think that Tracy has you know, said, you know, without saying, I'm not going to give these guys a discount, but man, I really like the coaches here, right? And that's part of the reason why I want to come back to Detroit. Um, I think part of that could be like, look, Tracy, you know, I don't know what you're worth or what you're not worth. This is Pleasant talking to him and saying like, you know, go do your thing, get your money. But if you come back here and we're going to go to work, I am not going to treat you like you're some, you know, like you're Ed Reed. <laughs> okay. Like we're not going to come back here and suddenly be, you know, uh, well, I'm above criticism because I got paid and all this. Like, no, we're going to do things exactly how we did them last year. And I think that that might be what he was talking about as much as anything. And I think that it was probably something that Walker maybe needs to hear as he goes into that. I, I As we got to... As we've gotten to see or be around Tracy Walker more, you know, like you can see him grow as a person and uh, he's a competitive guy, I think, and all that sort of thing. But I, I could maybe even almost see him, you know, sort of telling Pleasant, like, I, you know, if we're still together and I think maybe he would prefer that in some way, shape or form, um, I need you to keep pushing me like, you know, like you did when you got here and I was kind of on the ground. Because I think that that might be the the secret there. Like he worked his butt off this year and he put himself in position to... We'll see how much he gets paid. Like, Chris, we have no idea what the market is. But, like, I think everyone could probably agree that there's a lot more in there. And we really only just did see part of it. Because, like, see, somebody asked something about, like, you know, Tracy had a really good year, but he only got to one interception, I think, right? Or was it one or two or a couple? It wasn't that one, many. One, yeah, just the one at the end. And he, and week Pleasant, seven, yeah, and you could see Pleasant kind of, like, smiled a little bit and was like, well, you're not wrong, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, you know, you're <laughs> right. not wrong. So... And he could have got to more. And I think that was kind of what the question was. Like, he got his hands on some, but he only really he only finished one. So, like, that kind of stuff. And I think that those are the things that they seem to be – they seem to be at that level, player to coach, I think. And that's kind of cool. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful just as, a, as an observer that we get to watch that sort of thing continue. But I have no idea, you know, how that's all going to go. Yeah, and like you said, the market is a little tough to figure because the safety market – fluctuates maybe as much as any other position oh uh, yeah in the it's league. really hard like, there's there's been a couple of years here where no one signs for mm-hmm. like a month or two <laughs> and then yeah last year there was a little bit of a run because a couple of the guys uh got franchise tagged including marcus williams who's now probably will be a free agent and you would assume yeah if aaron glenn's still here i mean maybe even if he's not uh is a guy that the lions might be interested in and so he was the franchise tag was 10.6 million last year. Marcus Williams is probably mm-hmm. a $10 million plus safety on this market, which puts Tracy Walker, you would think, 
a little below that, seven, yeah. eight million. But that's now we're if you're looking at both of them, <laughs> mm-hmm. now we're talking eighteen, nineteen million uh for two safeties. So I don't know if that's in their budget either. So right. uh yeah, I don't know. It's gonna be really interesting to see sort of where this goes with Tracy Walker. But like you said, I mean, I th- and we've talked about it a lot, it's hard to have these in-house guys who have shown that they can play in this league and who want to be a part of this and have mm-hmm. the right attitude and just say, well, we're not going to pay you. See you later. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. like, they, I don't know that they're in a position to do that no, right now. So. No. So they might have to overpay him. I don't know. And I think that that's something where, like, when Brad Holmes said the whole thing about we're going to be as careful as we possibly can this year with the money, but also we have a little bit more this year. And so, you know, I, I don't know if that's what's the what's the math like on that. Does does he value what you're just saying there? Maybe you pay a guy that you love a, a little bit more, or does he not? Or does he say I'm not doing that because we we're not in that situation yet where we can where, where we can afford to do that reasonably. And that's a million. We have no idea, right? These guys don't really like to answer those questions, and that's fine. You know, I can't blame them. So, um, that's going to be Tracy Walker's whole contract thing. It's going to be very interesting to see where it all ends up. I think all parties would agree that they'd love to have him stay in Detroit, but like you can't also, he's got to get paid and they can't, it can't be ridiculous on their end either. So it's got to be mutually beneficial. And I think both sides understand that too. Yeah. And I still think he's back for what it's worth. That's probably, just yeah, I guess, I guess uh, on that. Yeah. I think they're going to go into it with good, you know, both sides in a good place, it seems like, right? Which I wouldn't have said that a year ago, certainly, my God. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's, I mean, we also know that the the cap's going to go up and there are ways around, like if you want to bring Tracy Walker back yep. for two years and just see where you're at, you can give him a four or five year contract. And Yeah, and well now, and here's the other thing, because you mentioned it. Like, so if Aaron Glenn gets the Saints job and takes Aubrey Pleasant, that changes everything. Because if Tracy Walker's right, looking at coming right. back here for somebody else, well, now I don't know. And I think that that's, you know, it, I think his infatuation with being here is more about the coaching staff or as much about the coaching staff as anything else. I, you know, not to say he doesn't like living here. I think he does. But, like, it's as much about his relationship with the staff, I feel like, the staff, as in Aaron Glenn and Arby Pleasant, as it is anything else. So if those guys aren't here, then I would say, well, now I don't know. You know, and that's a different conversation. Yeah, and so we should, I mean, we should know pretty soon here. On, I would think so, <laughs> that yeah. Saints job, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the other one that came up that I wanted to touch on, uh, we were talking with um, Antoine Randall-L, I believe. On, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's who it was, uh, on Thursday. And, you know, someone asked him about the receiver position as a whole and, and sort of what this team needs to move forward. And he said, well, we need yeah. that x we need the number one guy that just even if teams are taking him away mm-hmm. we're still going to go to him when it counts and when it matters and mm-hmm. i you know that got out there and people kind of not everyone but if you had a few people freak out that <laughs> well can't isn't Amonra that guy he's showed down the stretch you know mm-hmm. whatever it was it's the streak of you know eight catches per game and 100 yard games all over the place he looks like he could be a Hundred catch, thousand yard player for the yeah. foreseeable future. Right? Can't he be your number one? The Rams are in the Super Bowl with Cooper Cup as sort of a you know he's not your typical mm-hmm. X. You know nope. he's not Calvin Johnson, nope. uh, <laughs> Marvin Jones, who's going to win on the outside and just dominate guys physically. So can't Amon Ra be that guy? And I don't know what what's your takeaway from what Antoine well, Randall said. Well, it's two different conversations, and that's a good question, and it's a good conversation to have because 
Um, I look at Amon Ross St. Brown as almost like an offensive hybrid uh, as much as anything else, um, a skill hybrid in that, you know, he is a player who can play. He's a Z, I would say, probably in terms of like your standard. What's he what's he play? Right. What's what's his home base? We would say he's either a either a slot or a Z receiver, probably. Um, I would say probably Z because I think he's physical enough to go out there and do that, like a flanker, you know, type position or whatever you'd call it um, and whatever you want to the, – the guy opposite the X, right? The X in this conversation is your big anchor, 6'2", 6'3", big-bodied guy like Pleasant's talking about that can – he's on the line of scrimmage. You know, he's hard to press because he's physical. He sets a lot of what you do in terms of formation and everything else. It's a lot of just like – schematic in how you are designing your offense. He's a guy that physically is going to be able to make plays down the field and vertically, like like Randall Ellis saying, no matter what coverage is. Whereas St. Brown is not going to be able to do that because of how his body is and everything else, as we know. But in a different way, you can look at a hybrid type skill and say, well, we can move him all over the place. And he can play a little bit of Z. He can play in the slot. And you saw this year they moved him to the backfield. You could really even do things in some personnel groups where you could put them as your X and it would be fine. But they still do absolutely need a 6'2", big-bodied type guy who can go out there and be an X receiver that can run vertical routes and not get knocked off, you know, knock it off his path um, by a big-bodied corner because that's really what the Lions ran into until Josh Reynolds showed up, as we saw. So I think that Amon Ross St. Brown could certainly, he could develop into like, he could develop into their best player. But he wouldn't be what we would call a one or an X receiver in terms of, the, you know, what you would just label him as. So, you know, I understand the freak out there, but I think that's an overreaction, I would say. And that's like similar to when Anthony Lynn last year said A and B back, right? Like when people lost their mind about that one. <laughs> and as we all saw, DeAndre right. Swift is certainly the, you know, the guy that they value the most on this team. So that's really what I would say in that sense. I think it's more you look at St. Brown almost like as an offensive hybrid and that you can do so many things with him. But but it's a it's the point to make in that they do need to draft a receiver with size because at, there were times this year as we talked about like where they were having like Khalif Raymond go out there and try to be the X and it was like Jesus like he cannot do this <laughs> as hard as he plays right you know he cannot do this it's not fair to ask him to do that and same with St Brown in some capacities too so I think it's um, you got to sort of open your mind up a little bit in terms of how you think of these things, but I understood what he was saying, and I still I agree. They do need the X. But this is where the Brad Holmes Rams way of doing business is interesting with the receivers. Who's to say you can't pay Amon Ross St. Brown more than your X? I don't. Sure. Right? If he's the guy that you value more, no one else does that. Typically, we think about, you know, well, you got to pay Kenny Galladay all that money. Why? Because he goes and right. catches a bunch of touchdowns. Well, what if he doesn't? Well, last year he didn't catch any, right? So like, <laughs> what else is he doing for you? So like, I think you could look at it a couple different ways, right? And I think that that's kind of how the Lions look at this right now. Well, and that's, you know, Randall L said, Josh Reynolds didn't really get a chance to play that role for us really that much. Uh, but yeah. maybe he's got that in him. And he said good. maybe Cephas can do some of that because he's exactly. really good in the air and he's really physical and body control guy. And so... I think you're right. I mean, I think that we're not, we don't, I don't think he's necessarily saying we need, you know, uh, Mike Evans. Yeah. We just need someone to play that role. Maybe it is Josh Reynolds. It did open up a lot with Josh Reynolds, just as someone Goff trusted to throw the ball downfield to a vertical safety belt. Right. Basically, yeah. It right. just gives you something else in that offense. Um, I mean, some of it's going to depend too on, 
you just can't say Amon Ra St. Brown is going to be Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is maybe the MVP of the league oh, this that's, year. That's ridiculous uh, to say. <laughs> and I think, um, you know, you're also talking about a guy who scored 16 touchdowns. Uh, his The air yards per target for him was like eight and a half, and St. Brown's was like six and a half. So I think that's the other thing. Is he going to develop to be more of a – is he going to stretch the field for you more vertically in the future, or are they going to start using him – or continue to use him more. The way they used him this year was less Cooper Cup and more Debo. Like right, it was more Debo Samuel. Yeah, like screens and they got him in the backfield. Now that I think was, you can maybe yes, that's possible. Something right? Like I think we would agree with that. Maybe more him than Cooper Cup. I would say right. Yeah, and the Forty ers I don't know that they necessarily like. Who's their ex? Like quote unquote ex. Well, they have one, but it's not a guy that they're like worried about. You know paying a bunch of money to i mean but i'm sure yeah i'm sure they've got i don't know who it would be but i think they've had a rotation of guys over the years yeah it's like it's like whoever Kittle. yeah it's like yeah more or less and a lot of times kittles their ex or use check might be in some of their in some of their lineups yeah, but right. like but yeah i mean it's not and i think that you know you saw anthony lynn come in here this year and you know their ex was going to be tyrell williams but that didn't mean that tyrell i still think if williams had played the whole year I still think St. Brown would have ended with more catches and it would have been exactly the same, but Williams was going to be their guy who can stretch over the top and a guy that you're going to have to worry about. And you're going to have to cover him if he runs a a vertical. Like that's the lions were in situations this year where they didn't even have a guy that you'd have to even bother covering if he was running, you know, take the top off type route. So that's really, I think what you're looking for, if nothing else. I guess Ayuk. Ayuk is probably their ex, I guess. Yeah. And he's a nice player. So Uh, we're probably, we're probably underplaying him some, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but to the point being, like, you don't again. You don't necessarily need to have like a top five receiver in the league playing no, your ex. You, don't. you just need someone there, and I think that that's uh, that's kind of what Antron Randall yeah. was getting at. And so we'll see kind of where it moves forward. But that also lines up with what we've talked about, um, you know, all along with this draft, and especially with this draft, but with free agency. You know, that's. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what you got to be looking at if you're talking about a receiver in the first couple rounds here. I mean, that would be what you're taking, right? Like someone who can get downfield and do that for you. So yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's the type of guy I think that you're targeting right now if you're the Lions, and that and that and nothing else. You're targeting a, a a bigger bodied receiver who typically are the harder ones to draft, the guys that are whatever. But I mean, that's kind of what you want. So you at least have a type maybe in mind. And I think that that's maybe a good thing that you're not necessarily, you know, well, we need everything. So at least, you know, you have a guy that you can count on and he's going to be here in St. Brown and you can sort of work around him and build around him. So they're in a much better spot than they were, but, you know, still, still going to be competing, I think, uh, on draft boards for guys that are at a pretty high premium spot. Like, I mean, we saw one there at Mobile, uh, you know, Watson there, who was just, my God, I mean, like everybody would want him, right? So easier said than done. And you got to kind of be careful with some of that stuff, too. Yeah, I mean, I guess the point just being that, like, saying we need an X doesn't mean, right, or we yeah. don't think St. Brown can develop beyond what he did. Sure, this year. yeah. I think of if, if you're talking about building this offense the way you want to build it, you know, you, you like you can't have Khalif Raymond playing X no. receiver. It's ridiculous, yeah. and uh, that's sort of where they were this year, just because of injuries and how they built the roster. So, um, but yeah, you mentioned Watson, so let's yeah. shift here and get right. into. Our all senior bowl team, which, you know, Dane Brugler had one, mm-hmm. um, which was sort of, I guess, more bigger picture. Ours kind of focused on how these guys fit with the lines. We went position by position. Again, it's up at theathletic.com. If you don't have a subscription, head over there. You can pick 
that one up and you can get our show ad free on the site. Um, I guess we can just go top down. You broke down the offense. I broke down the defense. Mm. Malik Willis mm-hmm. uh, sure came out of that week with a lot of buzz. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think did. we figured he probably would, but seeing it live, it was I yep. think as advertised. Yeah, oh, more though, more than advertised. I almost feel like it, you know his arm is real. Of course, I think we saw that in warmups when we were standing there. I think everybody could see that. Just like the effortless, the ability to just flick the ball and it just explodes off of his hand like that. You know, not every quarterback has that. And if you've been around guys that ha- do have it and guys that don't have it, you know when it's not there, right? It's one of those type of things. And with Willis, it's absolutely there. It just explodes off of his hand with, like, no body movement at all. And when he does actually put everything he's got into it, holy shit, like, it's it's real. So the thing that we were looking for that we didn't know was how fast can he sort of go left to right and make reads. And, you know, that's what we actually talked to Mark Brunel about in the middle of the week, and he was even, like, impressed And I think we kind of both talked like, I don't think he was asked to do a lot of that in college. And a lot of that is just like there. It seems to be much further along and kind of raw and in there. It's just like a natural thing, which is great if that's the case. But it seems to be much further along than I think everybody maybe thought, or at least I thought. And not sure if he's a day one guy or whatever, but I think he'd be able to come in and maybe fight and compete reasonably more than I thought. But also like, I am much more willing to take the ride on he's he would be ready in year two than I was before watching him in the senior bowl. I think he was very impressive to me. I'm curious for your thoughts on the same thing. We've talked about him on uh, in a story we did last week, but like he just got better as the week went on and the weather got worse. So <laughs> he got right. better. Yeah. The weather got worse. That's a big deal to me. Well, I mean, and that was the thing you wanted to see, like, how is he going to, improve and how is he going to settle in here and i you know as as brunel said like these guys are coming here and like haven't really even called plays in the huddle before and they're on the wireless headset for the first time and so there's a lot of stuff there that yeah like carson uh, strong poor guy was like acting like he was in the damn yeah (laughs) sec's like a like an lsu game at night out there with the damn heads and so i think that that was it was more like the physical tools you know are there for willis they're impressive live, certainly, um, and he got out of some plays in the backfield that he was probably the only quarterback there who was getting out of some, those plays. Right. Um, and so that's there. But I thought that everything else was what I, I agree with you. Like Everything else was what impressed me. It didn't look like it was moving too fast for him. He was getting through his reads. Exactly. He wasn't – like even the times he got out of the pocket and scrambled, it wasn't – no panic. A panic move. It was like, let me get to my third progression. Okay, it's not there. I got to get out of here. Yeah. It was all very measured. He seemed under control. Uh, and so I think it was a really good week for him. And to hear the Lions staff talk about how quickly he absorbed the playbook and understood everything they were showing him, I mean, that's what matters. Um, and, and so, yeah, I mean, I don't know that he could have done a whole lot more. I mean, it's still... I, it, there's still things that you're going to be worried about with him. And I think you saw that he forced some throws there. It doesn't seem like he even knows where the ball's going sometimes. Like it's <laughs> one's right. into the sidelines. The next one's at a receiver's feet. So that technique stuff that we talked about um, and have written about is still there and you got to clean that up. But right. I think in terms of the mental 
process of it all. Um, even down to his press conference. I mean, he was just like, mm-hmm. it, he seemed like he was ready to be there. Um, yeah, so I that's think a good that way to talk it. about his background too, like that he played at Liberty. It's a, it's, you know, a smaller school, um, program, but he was a Auburn first, right? Like this isn't mm-hmm. like he came out of nowhere and right. we never heard about him before. Right. Like the talent's always been there for him. Yeah. And so it's just a matter of whether you could get him uh kind of up to speed on all the other things and if he's going to get there man I don't know I came out of that week wondering like yes I still don't think you can take him at 2 no but I don't know that he's going to be there at 31 or 32 either yeah I think that if you want if you want Mal- Malik Willis you probably have to have a plan if you're the Lions um and I'm not sure that they wouldn't or don't uh because the more you look at a guy like this the more you think like all the things that they could do from a run standpoint, yeah, in their offense, and the run could set up the pass legitimately, and they could be they could be a, you know, what Shanahan does is what Shanahan does, but like they could be something like that. I feel like um, if they had a quarterback like this, it could be something that is really really cool and something that is unique and something that's difficult to defend. And I think that, you know, he's the type of guy that. If you could grow together, right? Like you get him in as he's learning and you build the offense around him and he grows with you as you grow and oh my God, like suddenly you look up. Like that's what I feel like when when you watch a guy like this because I think he's got all the traits you're looking for physically. He's tough. He's phys- We saw him run around a little bit in the senior bowl. You saw him break out of the pocket and make some crazy runs and you can see where he can, he can even get out a little bit and put the shoulder down and run people over if he has to. It doesn't have to be something where you can never feel nervous about, you know, you could run him five times in a game, I feel like, and not panic about it, right? Like, I feel like you could do stuff with him, and it would be cool. And you could do normal, you know, passings. It would be, you could do a lot with a guy like this once he got his feet under him. And I think the Lions, the way they look at the game, the way the staff looks at the game, I think they understand that. So I'm very curious to see where this goes, because you're right. I think you're going to need a plan if you yeah. want him. So it's going to come down to, do you love him, or do you just like him a lot? And, you know... That's the that's the tension there that that they have to weigh as they look at next year's class and then right here right now. I mean, Kenny Pickett's QB one, right? I think we can probably agree with that. And then it's probably Malik Willis, right? I think that's... out of that Senior Bowl class, or are of, you bumping Coral down? Or you just don't like? Matt I Coral? mean, what do you think? I I like I think I like Malik Willis more than more than Coral to be honest. At least as much, at least as much. Yeah. I I don't think I don't know if. If I would say that the difference for me is is that great between those two, what would you think about Pickett's week? Because uh, you know it was some of the because we talked about the weather conditions were terrible uh-huh. on Wednesday. Tuesday was bad for pretty much every quarterback because it was the first day down there. So yeah, is he a guy that built any momentum for himself? Is he still in the same spot? I mean, what's your read on how he came out of it? I feel like he like solidified himself as the, as QB one, probably. I, that's what my thought was. Cause you know, he was the, everything was easiest for him on the day when everyone was struggling and everyone was swimming and clearly overwhelmed. He was the least overwhelmed by like a hundred So by a ton Willis, nothing bothers him, but he was still, he was still missing and stuff, but you could nothing. He didn't care. Nothing. I mean, it was like rolling off his back, like what, like it was <laughs> right. nothing. Pickett wasn't making those mistakes. He was just he was still rifling through his reads, like it was nothing. You could tell that he was an experienced guy. But you know, the thing I guess I can't figure out is like, I think he's a good quarterback. I do. 
Um, and I think he can win games in the NFL in the right situation. But I also wonder, like, is he just was he just like perfect for the type of situations a senior bowl puts puts a quarterback in? Because they just ultimately at the end of the day they just throw a bunch of stuff at you, try to overwhelm you, and then put you in seven on seven and see how fast you can make reads, or put you in eleven on eleven with a bad offensive line and see how fast you can make reads in a shoddy pocket, right? Like that's right. what the senior bowl is for quarterbacks pretty much. And so is Pickett just really good at that and and that's all we're going to see or is that all you need? I don't know. And I I he's a good quarterback. Is he a generational talent? I don't know if we can go that far as no. a guy that's going to be, you know, somebody that's going to be a franchise guy forever. I'm not sure. But I think he's a good player and I think in this class he seems like the safest bet. That's what it seems like to me right now. And it is fair to mention that both offensive lines Got the crap kicked out of him down there for the most part. And especially, and Pickett was on the other roster, but especially the American team with the the Lions offensive line got handled by the the front of of their defense. So that also complicated things. Um, I do, yeah, I mean, I think he was, I think Pickett was solid. I think he was fine. I think he maybe has, um, and we saw it in some of the numbers with the spin rate and stuff. I think mm-hmm. he has maybe a little more zip than I thought he did I on agree. his throws. Um, I, it wasn't blown away, but I didn't think he was far and away the best quarterback down there. I think Willis was the best quarterback down yeah. there. So, um, but I think he was fine. I mean, I think uh, uh, I thought Desmond Ritter bounced back pretty well. He played mm-hmm. well in the game Saturday too, because Tuesday was terrible. Yeah, for he was him. a nightmare. The first he day. was. He looked. Very rattled on Tuesday yeah. and, and fumbled a few times, and I thought he came back well. Yeah, um, good to see. You know, Sam Howell. I thought he was okay. I, I thought I thought, I thought I he was solid. I just don't see it, but I, I don't, don't either. I'm yeah. still not seeing it with him, man. <laughs> I just think it's too. I it agree. really I looks. Agree. I actually was more. The, I was impressed by him, and I still don't see it. Right, like that's that's where I. Uh, yeah, I agree. Go ahead. I, I just, and that's why I brought up that I thought Willis looked really composed in the pocket and and the reads were there and you could tell he was get, trying to get through his progressions because for Howell everything and and we talked about this when we we wrote up the quarterbacks before the senior bowl it just looks way too slow uh-huh. for me you yep. know I think like he it, it seems like there's always that thought in the back of his mind like I got to get out of here I got to run I got to yep. go yep. and so everything that happens like that first read and then it's really slow to the second read and it's, it's not robotic because there's like he's too chaotic to be robotic <laughs> right but it, there is some of that right to his game where it's like you can he's he's very he's not paint by number but it's a little bit it feels a little bit like that like if it gets off of yeah, if it gets off of what he thought it was going to be, we got a problem. You can tell, like if 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 he got something that he's not expecting, you, you know when he got something that he's not expecting. With Willis, you don't know that. It's it's the same all the time. When he, you know, his body language, his feet are the same, his calm is the same. He finds quiet the same. Whereas Howell can do that, and I thought he did a better job than I thought he was going to going into the week. But like, I think he gets more. Yeah, he gets rattled faster. You can see it. You know what I mean? I still would be I would still panic with him about is he just gonna freak out, pull the ball down, and want to run into a linebacker and then get concussed and we're gonna lose him for the season in week one? Because that's what I feel like's gonna happen with Sam Howell. That's what I when I watch him on tape at Carolina and I see him leave the pocket and run, I'm like, his next his NFL quarterback coach should be like, You're not allowed to run uh vertically. You're not allowed to run north and south ever again. Like that's what I <laughs> that's what I that's that would be my rule with Sam Howell. Like you right. have got to learn how to stay in the damn pocket and not get your head knocked off because we cannot do this. Same with Corral. I would say like 
all the he's a great scrambler. Uh, okay, but like I don't need you out there getting like destroyed. You need to be your scrambling needs to be so you can throw it. Not you know what I mean? Like and I there's a difference and I think Willis understands that and I'm not sure that Howell and maybe Corral I guess cuz we didn't see him there and I'm not giving him credit, but Howell I'm not sure if he has that. Uh, we won't talk about every single player on these rosters because we don't have yeah. five hours. But just to wrap up the quarterbacks, because there's only two we haven't really you mm-hmm. mentioned: Carson Strong, uh, Bailey Zappi. I, I guess I was disappointed by Zappi's yeah, I week. Agree. Um, I thought he was going to be better there, yeah, and I don't too. think he was bad. It's just you could <laughs> maybe it was because every rep he was taking right after Malik Willis, and <laughs> Willis is throwing 100 mile an hour fastballs, yeah, and then Zappi's right. breaking off the knuckleballs or whatever. But um, you know, I think some of the stuff that showed up for Zappi, uh, the positives on his tape, he made some good anticipation throws. He's pretty accurate, but, um, you know, he looked like, and we, t- I guess we've talked about him as a mid-round guy, yeah. but he looked like a mid-round guy to me. He did. Uh, Carson Strong, I don't know. Yeah. The worry with him is <laughs> that he's going to be a statue in the limited. pocket, and yeah. that's what he yeah. still looks like to me. So I, yeah. I don't know that there are any surprises there, but I guess just yeah. uh, your take on those two guys. Before no, I mean, Zappy, I agree. I think I probably expected more in terms of like for the, what I just said, like, you know, I think he would have been great. I thought he was going to be great at everything they, they put on a quarterback in, in this environment. And his accuracy was something that I, I just think he, I just didn't think he had a great day and a half. I think he got better, you know, but like the first day was, I was underwhelmed. I thought he would be, of all the guys that was, were going to be in trouble with the chaos, I thought he would be the guy that wouldn't have the trouble with it. And yeah, he, uh, he had more of it than I thought he would. So that was a little disappointing. But I still think, like you said, I, I still like him. And I still his tape is great. And you can't take that away and all that sort of thing. It's one week, whatever. And the weather sucked and all that sort of thing. And strong, yeah, I mean, I just, he can't move, you know. Not, like, not the way you're going to need to. And that's what we were worried about with Ritter because at the beginning of the week, he looked so overwhelmed and freaked out. And it was like... Oh God, is he going to be able to, is he just a guy who could, who ran like six plays and that's it at Cincinnati and that's all he's going to be able to do? Well, as the week went on, we learned, no, I mean, like he can do some things. He settled down strong. You know, I'm like, that's my concern for him is like, did he just get by with a couple of things that they, they had with him there? And I think that might be what we saw. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's more to him there. Running back, uh, we'll just sort of go down the list of positions here. And try, well, like I said, we won't talk yeah, that's about fine. every single player. But um, running back, you mentioned Damian Pierce, who I thought mm-hmm. was really, really good. And that's, you know, we've seen the uh, Rams draft history when Holmes was there, certainly points toward a running back. DeAndre Swift was banged up again this year. Jamal yeah. Williams is probably not here for much. Maybe, yeah. I mean, one more year, but yeah. I don't know that he'd be here on that. So I think running back is certainly on the table again. And there were some guys down there. Pierce, I thought, was, as you mentioned, was good. I thought Brian Robinson from mm-hmm. Alabama looked like he could be a downhill really guy player, for yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, didn't get to see James there, Cook but... and Haskins. Yeah, those were the guys that we didn't get to see. But, yeah, Pierce was the most complete, right? That's, you know, in terms of he was picking up stuff in terms of protection, caught the ball well, got open, and looks like the type of guy that, without a lot of tread on the tire, that could be kind of the between the tackle type if you need him to be. And I think that's kind of what I would think that maybe they would be in the range for or in the market for if they were to be after a running back. But yeah, I guess we'll have to see. I mean, it was really the protection stuff. And you know, yeah, he was really good with that, all yeah. over that, right. <laughs> watching yep. that very closely. And he was, 
I think he was the best back probably by a decent margin, maybe other than Connor Hayward in uh, yeah. picking up blitzes. And you mentioned Hayward too, which Dan Campbell talked about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we know how he, I mean, I think we knew how he was going to feel about <laughs> Connor Hayward before the, the week started, but uh, Hayward probably checked a lot of boxes for folks. And yeah. I, he looks like, I mean, I, I think he's a day three pick and a guy that's probably in the league for like a decade yep. and just does his job. Yes, great week for him. It was really cool to see him have such a good week um, and everyone get to see that and him sort of answer those questions that you had, right? Where Can you line up in the backfield as a fullback and lead block? Because we know, I think, all the other things. We know that he can you know, be a move H-back or he can be the second tight end. Um, we know even that if you wanted to motion him out against a linebacker and see if he wants to run a route in space, he can do all those things. And he was able to show that in the one-on-ones and, you know, and in team drills and in seven-on-seven. I mean, he gave linebackers trouble because they just can't. I mean, his feet, I mean, it's just like his dad. I mean, we've talked about this so many times. The You know, Campbell called him baby iron ironhead there, you know, right? It's Craig Hayward, for those of us, and I know you remember him, Chris, for those of us who remember him, like, remember watching him play, he was the ultimate, like, dancing bear. You know, he was the guy that was just... (laughs) What was he, like right. 260? And his feet were incredible. I mean, he could just pick him up and put him down like you wouldn't believe for a guy at that weight. And, you know, Hayward weighed in around 240. I got to tell you, I mean, it's not too different. I mean, he doesn't have that straight line speed, but he is getting really good separation underneath to where if you need six yards, he can get you that, you know, and maybe seven or eight. Cause he, and he also can make catches in traffic. He's He's been able to make catches, uh, you know, on throws that were behind him. He's got really good hands. I just think it was right place, right time for him as the game has, has been evolved. He opened his mind up a little bit and a great week for him. And I don't know, again, I, again, I don't know if the Lions see him as just an, an extension of Kabinda or if they see him as like the next level of Kabinda. Right. And that might be it. That might be what they do. I don't know. I would not rule out Connor Hayward as a Detroit Lion before it's all said and done. He had a really good week. I mean, I think he can be more of a weapon than Kabinda. Absolutely. Um, That's what I'm saying. I think he can yeah. go to another level. But can he block... With a similar, I don't you know, know about consistency. That that's the question that I don't think we've answered yet. But you know, maybe, and I think that that's what this week pr- proved that it's possible. And I think that that's what I would say. And if you're talking, to, and I think that that sort of folds into the running back equation too. If the Lions are thinking day three, well, let's get a guy who can help us in a bunch of ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, use check is the that's it, it. Connor Hayward's build is not just exactly like use check. Use check's taller, um, but I mean, my God. And he's a more experienced blocker, but like that's kind of what you're. And yeah. he is so important to everything they do, right? Like, well, I think it was the yes. what the Atlanta game. Kabinda got hurt, and after Campbell said, "Well, we had to throw out fifty percent of our playbook for the day." Yeah. Because, and well, there's your yes fallback plan. Big deal. So, Big deal. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, but yeah, I agree. Good week for him. Um, wide receiver, you mentioned Christian Watson. Yep. I I mean, I don't know what else he could have done. Just ridiculous. 6'4", yep. he's thick at 6'4". He was one of the fastest guys down there. I mean, he's... Bendy, too. Yeah. He, he had to just be flying up boards at the end of that week. Yeah. And uh, certainly when you talk about what the Lions need, you mentioned it. Like, he would play the X for them. Yes. Um, and so... I. I don't know. I, I don't know that we have an idea for what his range would be. I, I don't have a lot of exposure to him <laughs> prior to this week. So we didn't um, figure, we didn't know who he was until like we had the first, <laughs> we were like who the hell is this and then we had to figure it out uh, for a second there. 
but he was, I mean, he can fly. I mean, I think he's going to test well. He returned kicks for them at North Dakota State. So, mm-hmm. man, I, that one. I mean, he could be, yeah, he could be, he could be a first-round pick, and he could be someone that, if you're Detroit, you know, he could maybe even, because we talk about the guy, the X's at the top there, like, if he if he slides into the first or makes more competition up there for some of those other guys, like Tolbert or Burks or one of these guys, and slides him down, maybe that works, or maybe you end up with him, I don't know, but like, we did see, you know, him being able to work off press and get underneath guys and bend under, I mean, like, yeah, he's a freaky freaky player uh, obviously played at a lower level but like I would assume he'll test really well at the combine and then he might be a first round pick when it's over with I think this was a very very good week was he the MVP or one of the receiver uh, of the week or whatever it was something like that I think he was yeah, yeah. really good player. Um, and then Tolbert was a guy we talked about before we both were interested to see him I thought he had a good week he got deep a few times which was nice to see uh, Randall L talked about the thing he was trying to work with him he's a 6'1 195 guy and Randall L said he likes to his stance is really high. He likes to play high. And yeah. so when NFL cornerbacks or the good cornerbacks at the senior bowl can get their hands on him, it's the same thing as like when off their defensive linemen play high. You just can't go anywhere. You get knocked around uh, and, and you're not winning the leverage battle. So that's something, I guess, to sort of watch moving forward. But otherwise, I thought he played well. You mentioned uh, Velas Jones Jr. from Tennessee had a good week. I thought... Uh, Bo Melton was really good too. Um, Khalil Shakur from Boise State. Anyone else jump out for you, or any anything else on? Uh, I, I know you like Tolbert going in. Yeah, I mean Jones was really really fast live. You know, like I think that that was something I wanted to see how his speed held up. Um, and like he's a guy too that in the same way that St. Brown is a hybrid, you know, type. I think that. Velas Jones and the kid from Memphis, although he's a little smaller. Um, but Jones is one that's super interesting to me. Anybody in that sort of build, I think, that you know can cause you problems and you don't know where, where he's lining up because he can do a couple different things. But for the most part, no, I think that we kind of knew what we had going in there, knew what we were going to see going in there. And like it was good to see Tolbert look like he, we thought he would look. I, you know, like that was good to see. And he had no issues tracking the ball deep and everything else. I think he was where you want to be. So some good players up there to choose from if they want to be in that conversation for sure. Uh, the guy from Memphis, Calvin Austin, is Austin. not a little smaller. <laughs> <laughs> He's a lot smaller. Yeah, right. <laughs> he was 5'7", 173. He yeah, looked 5'7", yeah. 173. I mean, he had a good week. He, he got fast. open a bunch. Yeah, yeah fast. really fast. Good routes. I, I'm kind of curious. That was that was one I was trying to make a fit in my head. Because mm-hmm. I think it is a hard one. Yeah. Uh, it is a hard one. Vila second wonder, new. Austin, I don't know. Well, I guess it goes back to like you were saying, maybe St. Brown is playing a Z role and you would need a slot guy. Like if you're, if Khalif Raymond's leaving, maybe, I mean, maybe maybe. bring in a guy like that and he's just a more explosive option from the slot for you. I think there's room for that. Uh, But I don't know. I mean, that's a harder one to sort of wrap your head around because of what St. Brown is. Yeah, not impossible. I wouldn't rule it out um, in any of that. And that's the thing is we just still don't quite know where they're going there, uh, what they, what, and what they see an X as, right? Like, what do you, what right. do you want an X to be and all that? So we'll, and that's still sort of TBD. And a lot of that will depend on the offensive coordinator higher, I, I would assume too. And, and those sort of things as well. Uh, tight end was interesting. You mentioned the Lions probably need a tight end to upgrade, or at least a better blocking yeah. tight end too. Um, which I don't know that that guy was, I don't know there. if likely his guy, but I mean, my yeah, God, I say likely from Coastal <laughs> Carolina was good. 
<laughs> there are some others that are probably better blockers. The kid from Wisconsin is a really impressive. I can't remember his name now off the top of my head. He, Dick Ferguson. Ferguson. I know everyone yeah. talks about um, uh, Ruckert and everything I think, else. I think Ruckert was the tight end of the week despite yeah. having about In a rough nine day the first day. <laughs> but Ferguson's really tough too. You know, a nice player who can do a lot of things for you. Um, but likely is a freaky dude, man. Like he yeah. can do some things that nobody else can do, you know? And when you talk about that sort of stuff, you know, maybe, maybe you're falling into, uh, the one clip we had was him of him dropping a pass. So, but he, <laughs> but got, he was open. But he smoked he the guy open. to get open. So, you know, like that's, yeah. that's part of his deal, but man, he is really interesting, yo. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, there's some interesting pieces down there. If you want another pass catching tight end, certainly, um, you know, Grant Calcaterra from SMU had a good week. Uh, Trey McBride, I thought looked really interesting from Colorado state. He's a smaller guy, but he he has to be more of a chess piece for you. But, um, yeah, some talent there. Uh, offensive line. Um, we touched on Hayward from Michigan state. Andrew Stuber from Michigan's a guy you mentioned, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) clip there you your, your sent me uh, yeah. you sent me to like save on my <laughs> desktop of uh him burying uh Haskell, Ga- Haskell Garrett from Ohio State Haskell yeah. Garrett, yeah, yeah yeah but yeah he had a good week I mean he did. Stuber had a good week yeah I mean they repped him at center uh and guard which I thought was was interesting I mean I, I expected him to get reps at guard he's played guard before in college um and then you know he is a really smart player he's got really good football IQ he's played a ton of football uh, at a school that has had good offensive line coaches and he's been well taught and all these things, you know, a guy I think can be a little bit of a journeyman plug and play sixth offensive lineman who can do a lot of stuff for you in a pinch. Um, maybe like a poor man's Mason Cole in to a, to a degree, if you want to take the similar or the familiar route with the Michigan thing, I, I, I wrote Jonah Jackson almost as a small, as a little bit of a comparison. He's, he's bigger, taller, I think than Jonah and probably not as quick maybe with the feet, but in terms of like a guy that's like really smart, that's never going to get bullied. I mean, the you saw the Haskell Garrett clip. I mean, Stuber was, the minute we got out there on Tuesday, he was the most physical guy the Jets, the most physical lineman the Jets had from the, when they just put their helmets on. I mean, like the minute the thing started and that never stopped. So um, I was impressed by him and, and Mays from Tennessee. I thought those guys yeah. inside, you know, for the Lions – you know, there were others. The Boston College kid is really good. Um, I think he's a first rounder. You're not I don't think him. they're going to get yeah. him. And like, those are guys that you're, I'm, I'm thinking they're not getting him. Parham, you know, you're not taking him. But like, you know, guys that you would look at maybe later in the draft um, that could do a couple di- things for you, I, you know, I, I could see something like that. I did think Parham, Dylan Parham from Memphis, you just mentioned him, was really good. And oh, They gave yeah. him some reps at center. Um, he was, what, he was. He's very he good. played other positions, so he he was yeah. like a two sixty kid. Now he's three thirteen, mm-hmm. but he can still move a bit, and yeah. uh, so he's interesting. I I do think that they need they still need something inside. They got to look at a bunch of players who could be guard draft. Cole, and, you Cole know, Strange Lyman, was the Strange, other one I wrote down. Ed Ingram from mm-hmm. LSU was down there. Ingram Georgia was had good. a couple guys. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean there are a lot of options for them yeah. uh, if they want to take an interior lineman. But as I mentioned, the interior lineman, I thought. We're okay. The tackles had some problems because the defensive line <laughs> yeah. on both sides uh, were so good. Awesome. Um, and, you know, I as we get into the defense here, Perrion Winfrey from Oklahoma was the MVP. I brought him up because he was – Yep. I mean, he killed people all he week. He had an 86-inch wingspan. Um, you know, he played uh, over the guards for most of the week and it was just – they couldn't 
They couldn't do anything with him. With him. And he beat him with a couple. He beat him in multiple. You know, he did the. You know, he he. I saw him do a swim, like an amazing, really smooth. You know, just completely destroyed a guy in a swim, and then the very next rep just got right under his chin and just like knocked his ass over. So he's you know he can do he can do everything. I think that's what he showed off. He's got. More ways than one to beat you inside, over a guard, over a center. And you said the wingspan. I mean, like, I feel like what? how many spots could a guy like that even play up front? I don't know. I mean, I feel like... All of them? Yeah. I feel like he's got a little bit of that Anzarike thing the Lions liked where they thought, like, yeah, maybe he can play all of them if we wanted to. But there were a lot of guys who had good weeks. You've also got... Um, uh, I'm going to mess his name up, uh, the, the UCLA kid, <laughs> I think 91. it's Otito Ogbonaya, yeah. but I could be wrong. Who we saw on the, first, on the first day, I think he just like completely – he wasn't on our roster because we couldn't find a roster when we first got out there. <laughs> we had to figure out what his last name was, but like he completely could not do anything with him in terms of power. Yeah, he's 6'3", 326. Uh, what you like about him as the week went on? Well, I, <laughs> I feel bad because I, uh, I, I mentioned – like the the – uh, competition level things always one to watch, and so one of the the play you're mentioning, they're back to back from Winfrey. I think was on the NFL Network broadcast, but yeah. I went back and watched it again because it was Winfrey smoked him to the inside, and then it was uh, a guard from Fordham was talking to the coaches, and Winfrey was just screaming at him to get back to the line and do it again, and then planted him on his backside. And so the clip from Ogbenaya, uh, and again, I'm sorry, I apologize. Oh, yeah. yeah, I apologize for. For screwing up that pronunciation, but uh, is against the same kid, and he killed him. Right. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I didn't need to pick on that guy, but yeah, he was really good. And I did want to ask at defensive tackle, defensive line, because you mentioned Owens Arike is you know someone I think that they see as a zero to five tech type yeah, guy. I think so. They've got McNeil, who uh, is probably their long term. You know, nose tackle, maybe versatile guy up front there. But I, you know, I mentioned Travis Jones from UConn had a great week as a nose tackle. I, we've got a couple of these versatile defensive tackle guys. What do they need up there? I mean, who? What are they even considering? Do you think as we get towards the draft? Yeah, I don't know. I, you know, like that's a good question. I, I don't know what they want to invest. I don't know like how deep they want to get into any of that. Like, I don't know. You know, that's that's something I thought about all week. It's just like I don't know what they're. They just got done with a draft where they invested heavily. I mean, obviously, Edge. I mean, we know. I mean, you've got, um, I don't know if you wrote down Jermaine Johnson or not. I don't think you did. But, like, everyone's talking about him, of I course. I said they like, won't get him. Right, they're not going to get him. him. <laughs> but, I mean, obviously, like, he's the guy that we talked about if you're not going to get Hutchinson. I mean, obviously, you got D'Angelo Malone on here. Uh, Ebikiete, I'm going to mess up his name, for Penn State, who was really twitchy and come off the edge. Um, the kid from Minnesota. I mean, there's, there's guys here on the edge that you like, uh, Kingsley from South Carolina. Yeah. But like the inside guys, that's my question. Like, I don't know. You just took two, you know, are you more, are you more interested in maybe waiting and seeing what you can get later? I could see them maybe getting a guy late there and trying to develop, but I, you know, that's a good question. I don't know. You know, I don't know how much they want to overinvest or whatever in a certain spot there. I'm not, you know, that's a good good thing to watch as we go forward here yeah i don't really know either because i as i wrote you know nick williams started 17 games i don't think he's going to be back so that's a 17 game starting spot you need to fill michael brockers probably will be here but i don't know that it's going to be for more than a year i mean they'd probably move him at the trade deadline if they could Mm -hmm. uh so that's some 
yeah. some playing time you got to fill. And I don't know. Like, Onzerike, I think that they want to see what he looks like in May and August. I don't think they're giving him a starting spot just for showing up. So maybe you do need one more guy or two more guys you might. to play up front. You know, you might. And I think the good news is they saw a ton of them. <laughs> they saw a ton of them at the Senior Bowl. Because if you do, you're going to be able to find one because there was just a crap load of them. The edge guys, uh, as we mentioned there, uh, what are we thinking? The Western Kentucky kid was one. Uh, D'Angelo Malone was one I kept. Going back to a lot uh, all week. He's six three. He's really long and he's skinny yeah, still, I, but yeah. he is really fast and he is a really good athlete. I don't know what what did you see with him. I think they worked a lot with him. I, I know he was around Shepard, Calvin Shepard a lot. Um, they seem to pay attention to him quite a bit. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I just don't. The clip I put in our story is him with a hand in the dirt and he comes across and just destroys. Uh, Greg Dulcich, the yeah. UCLA tight end, but I don't think you can play him not yet, yeah. like ever hand in the dirt or against the run yeah. early on. Right, but he does move really well in space, and he's a really interesting and 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 quick pass rusher. So uh, that sort of gets to the heart of you know what they might be looking for, like Ibaki KD from Penn State, mm-hmm. and uh, I mentioned the Minnesota kid Mafe. Mafe, yeah. Um, you know, there are just a bunch of guys there that. I, like I don't know how much you'd be using him early, but I think you could if you put him on that like Julian Okwara plan and yeah. uh, do right. some of those things with him. Like um, the South Carolina guy you mentioned, uh, Kingsley. Nagare. Yeah, yeah. Um, to me, I the power looked a little more there from him uh-huh. um, than some of these other guys. So maybe you see him as as an edge setting option. Right. But I think there's a lot of those kind of hybrid guys that. They need to get pass rushers. Like the Penn State kid is just even if you're just drafting him to be a pass rusher, I think he might be one of the better pure That's all he does. pass rushing yeah. options in this yeah. draft. And so That's literally all he does. I think he just like, that's bends. Fine. Yeah, and right, yeah. Yeah, and that's what he's good at. You know, and I think that that's if that's what and that's the case to be made, I think that they don't have that. I think if you're that's the thing. I would be more concerned with that than I would be anything inside. I think that if you're going to spend or you're going to invest draft capital on a guy that can only do one thing, get a guy that can just bend and do that, right? Like, like you're right. saying, or a guy like Malone, who you can maybe you can develop into that or whatever else. But yeah, there's certainly no shortage of that. That's where I would lean on, uh, though, in that area. Stack linebackers, you mentioned Chad Muma. We talked about some um, some others this week. Went on Sterling Weatherford for Miami was was solid. You got uh, Asamoah, Brian Asamoah in here mentioned as well, and then Demone Clark from LSU. Uh, Muma is. Solid is a really solid kind of all around, you know, do everything line. But do you think he was fast enough to to cover? I mean, I don't. I mean, he he's interesting. I don't know. What, what was your end of the end of the day takeaway on on some of those cover linebackers and the guys that kept running a little bit? I I do think he's fast enough to cover. There was the play on in the game where he chased down yep. Malik Willis scramble yep. and raced the angle on it. So I do think he's got the speed to cover. I mean, I think. Beyond the testing, and I do think he'll test pretty well, but beyond the testing, he, like we talk about St. Brown and just like having an understanding of what you're seeing when you get to the next level. Like that's kind of the feeling I got from him and from Clark. Like they both look like right. they can watch tape and understand it. And Clark just kept he knows what he's filling doing. gaps yeah. that other guys weren't filling yep. throughout every practice. Yep. Um, and the clip I have of him is just, uh, you know, he, there's a, like a, 
it's a read option with yeah. Sam Howell, and they and have a tight end, it. I think, slicing through the backfield, and he reads the whole thing and yeah. gets inside the blocks. Like, he did that over and over again throughout the week. And so, like, those are guys to me that if you're sort of looking at this as, like, you like Reeves Mabin, he's going to be a rotational guy for you. Mm-hmm. Barnes, you'd like to maybe free up and get into space and, and just give him some chances to go downhill and run at guys and hit. You still need, like – yeah, that whatever you thought Anzalone was going to be like, you need that right. middle linebacker who's going to run things for you. And to me, either of those guys, right. I think would fit. I thought Aaron Hansford too was went back and watched from A and M. Yeah, had a good week. I um, so I think there were some of those guys there. Uh, I don't know. What do you think of Clark? I'm glad you put that one in because like that's what I thought about the the second day a lot. I, I my eyes just kept going back to him as like I'm like this guy. He knows what he's doing, right? Like he he knows. There are certain guys, and that's what the Lions need right now as a stack. They need a stack, and that's what you're explaining in Anzalone. A stack linebacker that you can look out there and you're like, you know, he knows what he's doing. He's not he's not lost. He's not freaking out. He's not overwhelmed. He's not in Mars right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're going to run, if you're going to run, you know, power counter, split zone, inside zone, he's going to fit them all. He knows what he's doing. He knows what tells are. He watches tape. He can pick things up quick. He's not going to get bullied. He's not going to get knocked off. He's not going to do stupid stuff. He's not going to do anything crazy. He's probably not going to do anything that you're like, holy shit. You know, he's not going to do anything that's going to like wow you or knock you over. But you're never going to look out there and be like, where, where is where is Clark right now? What the hell is he doing? Where is he at? Right. right? Like, and Muma was the same way, I think, all week. Like, when I watched him, it was like, because I kept quite, you know, I, I was glad you brought the Willis scramble because I'd forgotten about that. You mentioned the story. And I, there was a couple times watching him during, you know, one-on-ones where I'm like, man, I don't know, is he fast enough? And then I would see like, yeah, whatever, he's fine. Because like the way he would play somebody, right, to get us to buy himself an extra half second, like you could see, it was sim- similar to what we'd see with Connor Hayward, where it was like, he's getting himself open because A, he has foot speed and B, he knows how to run a route. Like, I think the guys that you the highlighted here are guys that know how to play football. And I think they need, they need a stack linebacker right now. Because Derek Barnes is still learning how to play football on that side. I, they need a stack linebacker who, if nothing else, just really knows how to play. And you got Coach Spielman out there, so I don't think you're gonna <laughs> I don't think you're gonna have a hard time ID and something like that. But I'm glad you mentioned those two guys because for me, they both absolutely fill those two categories. Uh, just in the secondary here, real quick as we wrap up, um, cornerbacks. Uh, it's tough on these defenders in these one-on-one oh drills. God. A lot of times, yeah. uh, the <laughs> cornerbacks. You know, I, I didn't think the cornerbacks necessarily had a great week, and it wasn't like the greatest receiving group of all time either. So I don't know. Right. Like I didn't come out of that week thinking a bunch of cornerbacks helped themselves, but Kobe Bryant and Tariq Woolen were the two I mentioned because I think. Bryant, I thought, was really good. Um, the game wasn't quite as good, but the practices were really good from him. He just looked really uh, patient, seemed like he understood the routes really well. He, he doesn't mind he's playing physical. Woolen yeah. is just, I mean, he's a 6'3 guy who yep. might run a four-two-five at the yeah, top yeah, line, yeah. and you see that. Um, <laughs> well, but I, I mentioned in the story that the other thing take about, him at two. <laughs> yeah, right. The other thing about Bryant that uh, jumped out to me um, – Desmond Ritter was talking about him and said, uh, well, he's really the guy who showed Ahmad Gardner yeah. how to be a, like right. a professional, prepare like a pro. And that is something that Gardner we're talking about is maybe a top 10, top 15 guy. So that matters when teams get into those meetings and they ask Ritter, 
and they asked Gardner and all the other Cincinnati kids on that defense, well, who uh, who is the leader for you guys? And they all say Kobe Bryant. Mm-hmm. That's going to count big time, too. He's, but Woolen, I mean, jeez, man. Woolen has all the, you know, that's the guy that you, you walk out there, you're like, who, who the hell's that? And the hotter guys walk out in the field, and that's where your eyes go, because he's just a, a mountain. But, like, Bryant, uh, there's not another corner at the Senior Bowl that Aaron Glenn likes more than, I can promise you that. I don't, I don't know if there's one. I mean, he is a dog all the way. Like, he checks all those boxes. From Glenville, right? I mean, he's one of those uh, tough Cleveland kids that just knows how to play corner. And that's why Cincy was so good. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, Ritter shined him like that. Because I think that was kind of how they were, you know, they were known. Like, at Cincy, like, Gardner's such a physical talent and he's such a good player. And he, he's got all that swagger, too. But Kobe Bryant was their understated, like, very consistent, very good, very steady, very good. He won the Thorpe, I think, right? I think he did anyway. Um, and just a really, really sound, good football player who can just make somebody look stupid because he, you know, because he's so physical and he knows how to play. And we saw that in one-on-ones. I mean, you know, we saw a couple, uh, intentional groundings out there yeah, because he yeah, was crazy. just putting receivers <laughs> in mailboxes, you know, like yeah. he's a really good football player. I don't know where his, where he lands, um, in terms of like, you know, draft stock, whatever, but like. That he would fit everything I think that they would want in terms of what the Lions are looking for as a corner right now. I, I would think Kobe Bryant would fit all of it. Do I yeah. do you disagree with that? I mean, he he no, seems like maybe the best fit of anybody you've written down here. I feel like uh, for the Lions. I mean, maybe anybody I, I we either of us have written down would be possibly Kobe Bryant. He is a very good player. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, and like I said, and Woolen too. Like I just. Mm-hmm. Well, because physically, it, yeah, it, my God, yeah. Physically, right. And, like, if you're going to take a gamble on a guy that, like, maybe needs some yeah. time to figure it all out, and like, if you want the 6'3 mm-hmm. corner who can run 22 and a half exactly. miles per hour, yeah. like, that's uh, ridiculous. So, <laughs> I, I think, you know, they can find something there. Like I said, I didn't think it was a great week for the cornerbacks overall. I do think the safeties look pretty good, and some of those yeah. guys were bouncing back and forth. Uh, between the drills, I mentioned um, Jalen Petrie, Jaylen from, Baylor, Petrie yeah. from Baylor, who said he kind of models his game after Matthew, Tyron Matthew, Buda Baker. <laughs> you want to tell your course. story on uh, on that one? When you <laughs> <laughs> well, that's when uh, you sound have, like an old man. <laughs> I guess going to say, I always have some of those moments where I feel like I'm 100 years old because he said, I like Tyron Matthew, I like Buda Baker. That's who I've modeled my game after. And yeah. They played together in Arizona in 2017, I think. I think mm-hmm. it was like the start of. Right, something like that. Yeah, right when he got there. And uh, I said, "Oh, did you ever you ever watch tape of them together? Or ever watch them when they were together?" And he said, "No, man. Uh, Tyron Matthew plays for the Chiefs. You idiot! Like I, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I got you. I know. Uh, You're like, okay, never mind. (laughs) uh, Forget it. Uh, So I guess that was when I clicked that he would have been like." 12 yeah uh, right 15. yeah that's funny um but it, i did think it was interesting he said in high school he played that chess piece role right. which yep i said to him oh that's you know i don't know that i've ever heard another player tell me that <laughs> like we hear a lot of guys who that's are corners you, in yeah. high school mm-hmm. and transition and who are safeties and then they move or running backs and play that chess piece role on defense yeah. but to have someone specializing in that yeah at 17 we're starting to see that now yeah yeah, and I thought that was interesting. That sort of jumped out to me. And then I mentioned Kirby Joseph from Illinois because I thought he had a really uh, strong week. And I didn't, 
I didn't. I don't know that I wrote him down at all when we were out there. And then I went back and watched the tape. Yeah, and every I time agree. someone made a play, it was him. Um, and, and I thought he uh, he did a lot in coverage in one on ones, which are almost impossible right. to defend uh, when you get those running backs and tight ends. And then he also made a couple plays when he was playing like high in the seven on seven drills, which you know if you're looking for something sort of interchangeable, his skill set fits in a different way. Petrie. Um, Pete Baylor used him as like an edge blitzer, and yeah, he was like a. They used him like they, the Michigan used real peppers or whatever, like in a in a yeah. in a like Aranda has that like I don't know what he probably calls it. He's probably got a name for it or whatever the position. Yeah, I I don't like know. You know, yeah, tiger or something like that or whatever. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, hawk or uh, whatever. But, yeah. And Joseph to me looked more like kind of the classic interchangeable yeah. safety, yeah. but I think that. You know, those were two that jumped out. Anyone else in that in the secondary that uh, you like? I think you like the other Baylor. I like both too, the Baylor Katie kids. Woods. Woods. I like Petrie better though, and I was glad you wrote him down because that's what I, that's what I thought of. I, you know, uh, a guy that can play in the box because you know that's the one thing that I don't. If you're going to play somebody with Walker, you know, Walker's at his best when he's able to sort of sit back and sort of unpack the defense and help guys you know, help in coverage and then also sort of make reads, you know, as people are coming at him. Um, Petrie would be a guy that I would think that, like you said, you can move him more and you can play him in the box. And he just had a really good, and I was glad you brought up the Illinois kid too, because those are two guys and there were others, but those are the two maybe that were the most consistent in terms of like, they weren't afraid to get their hand on a tight, get their hands on a tight end Right away, like if a running back came out of him, if they picked up a running back coming out of the backfield, it wasn't like, let me just try to run stride by stride with this guy. It was like, no, get up there, get your hands on him, like make him feel you and then make him adjust his route, right, as you're as you're playing. They were physical coverage guys who I think the Lions, you know, they play that too high stuff and everything else. And I think they'll continue to do something like that no matter how it all ends up going. But like, the safeties and all the defensive backs, really, but the safeties have got to be, they've got to be very good, you know? Like, for this defense to take the next step, they've got to be very good and they've got to be physical. They've got to be confident in their ability to go up. Like, that's the thing that always catches Will Harris when we watch him. And, the, and it's different in the NFL. I'm not saying that these guys are like, are going to have the answer. It's a senior bowl, okay? It's different than playing the, in the real thing. <laughs> but Harris, it's always like you watch him cover somebody and it's like he's just backpedaling. A guy comes at him and he's still backpedaling when the guy's right up on him. And it's like, no, I need you to meet him and right, like take him off his route and kill the route right here before it even starts. Like I saw some of that in some of those guys because I think that we're, and you brought the point, it was a great point. We're starting to see now guys enter the league. Isaiah Simmons was one a couple years ago. We heard from at the combine that they did this with him in high school because he's such a freaky kid. We're starting to see guys in high school play those hybrid back end roles now. So when they're coming into the league, you know, they they've seen Buda Baker. They know how they know what this is. So they know what a money backer or whatever the hell the position is or whatever you want to call it now is. And they want to play it. And like that's cool to see that. So I saw a lot of guys there this week that looked like that to me. Petrie was probably the one that I watched the most on the Lions side though. So a little long winded there, but that it was cool to see a lot of that stuff going on. All right, I think we uh, covered a lot of ground. Yeah. There. Uh, any final thoughts on uh, the week or what's next here for the Lions? Uh, they're probably going to get a, some time off, but I guess Dan Campbell needs an offensive coordinator. 
And he's probably yeah, going to need a yeah. defensive coordinator. I think he's going to need a defensive coordinator. I, I'm guessing. I think he's getting that job. I'm guessing Aaron Glenn is. I have um, no idea. But I'm guessing Aaron Glenn is getting the Saints job. I'll just make my guess known hmm. right now. Are you guessing the same or no? What do you think? I think Aaron Glenn's still here. You think Aaron Glenn's still here? One more. Okay. Yeah. Well, that would be good. I do think they needed offensive coordinator. <laughs> but obviously. It's be ben Johnson yeah. to some degree, but yeah. Yeah. So that's what's next. And then we'll see, um, I guess, what they do in free agency, right? I guess we'll see if uh, anything comes of that uh, one way or the other. I mean, what are your immediate uh, thoughts here as they unpack all this? Yeah, I mean, obviously the coordinator stuff is a big deal. It'd be helpful for them if the Saints yep. would make a decision here, like yeah. in the next 48 hours. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it certainly changes the dynamic of this offseason if Glenn leaves, mm-hmm. and because then you got to make sure Pleasant stays. And, and if he does, if you lose both, uh, <laughs> yeah. things really can unravel. But um, yeah, the coordinator decision, Campbell said he interviewed a couple guys. He wouldn't give us names. Uh, that. <laughs> We did that interview on the street corner. Of, <laughs> it was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> theater in Mobile. As Campbell was running up to, to yeah. participate in the summit. He, um, he got a Go Lions out there from somebody on the street, so, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think Ben Johnson, I think we of the understanding that he'll be part of it, right? Yep. Some, yeah. In some, in some way, shape, or form. That some seems way fair. here. So. We'll see. I, I think the most of the rest of it depends on whether if Campbell doesn't want to call plays, that might be the part where you bring in an OC, yep. you let Ben Johnson be the passing game coordinator, and you go from there. If Campbell wants to keep calling plays, I think Ben Johnson's probably your OC. That's my read on that. Um, yes, I think either way he's going to be involved, right? Like that seems yeah. like the and it seems like this is all sort of hinging on whether or not Dan Campbell wants to call plays. Like that's right. what we would say right now. Yeah. Uh, so we'll have all that covered as we mentioned uh, last show or the show before, sort of on a, a little bit of a different schedule now that we're in the off season. Um, but we'll have a at least one more show this month. We'll keep you posted on when that's coming. A couple weeks here, but certainly something before the combine, and then either at the combine if they let us podcast there mm-hmm. <laughs> after the combine, uh, which is less than a month away now. Um, wow! So, and it sounds like we're going to be there. We weren't there last year; it was all virtual. But yeah. It sounds like uh, well, you might not be. Back in action. I'm not going. I don't want to go. You can go. <laughs> Sounds like I will be there um, for at least most, of, at least a few days. So yeah, uh, back at, back in Indy. So uh, we'll have a couple shows for you between now and then. Like I said, we've got a month till the combine. So head over to theathletic.com, pick up a subscription. We've always got some uh, deals running. Uh, you can get our show ad free on the Athletic app as well. Uh, thanks to everyone who subscribed so far. Make sure you rate and review the show. It helps us. Uh, get a little more promotion on, on some of these uh, podcast apps too you can find us on spotify google uh, apple Podcasts, everywhere else so uh for nick i'm chris thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon